You're listening to the Write Project Podcast and Radio Program. This is a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This show is produced and recorded at CHMR 93.5 FM in Newfoundland and can be heard on that station and online at chmr.ca. I am your host, Matthew LeDrew, founder of Engine Books and author of the Xander Drew series, a supernatural detective thriller from Engine Books. If you'd like to subscribe to get bonus content, including an extra episode every month, you can do that in the description below. Thank you for joining us. Let's see what we have today. Thank you all for joining us for another wonderful episode of the Right Project podcast. We are here with me, Matthew LeDrew, host of the Right Project, but also Rebecca Rose. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rebecca Rose. I'm the president and publisher of Breakwater Books. Wonderful. Breakwater Books is celebrating its 50th year this year. We've got a whole year's worth of amazing 50 episodes of amazing stuff to bring you. <laughs> That's amazing. Let's see what we have today, Matthew. I'm excited. All right. Well, thank you for joining us here on CHMR and on YouTube for another wonderful episode of the Right Project podcast. I know I say that uh, they are all wonderful, but this one really is. We are on the line with Andy Bowman. On the cover of her book is Amanda Bowman, uh, but the author of Salt Beef Buckets. A love story, which is possibly my favorite title of a book yet this year. <laughs> that is brilliant and lovely. It's from Breakwater Books and available now. Uh, thank you for joining us, Andy. Hi. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm glad you like the title. Sorry. I meant that that first pitch, the publisher that you were at, the one, the last one we did live because of COVID. But like that's that was I mean, that's a crazy moment in Newfoundland literature history. I mean, we got like you from that like i mean you were you were already at the agm you already known you know what i mean uh ainsley hawthorne's land of many shores was pitched at that uh emily heptich was discovered at that like no one knew who she was and then she now she's like both books on the bestseller list for the last year and crazy uh jen Coy's oh i have such a funny story about that oh yes go ahead i have such a funny story about that i um i took a meeting with flanker to um because they were like interested in the cookbook and I really liked them. I thought they were really nice, really kind, but I w didn't, I was like, I don't think my book is right for this. Yeah. This is not um, who I see myself publishing with, but in our conversations, they were like, oh yeah, I really hope that young girl comes to us because, uh, you know, uh, we were really impressed by her. And so I went home and I messaged Emily and I was like, Hey, you should um, drop your manuscript off to Flanker because they were impressed by you. And they just told me in my meeting and she was like, really? And I was like, yeah. And then she went and did. And now she's just like a huge author. And I'm like, Oh my God, the, the, like, if you, do you know what I mean? Like if those things didn't happen, like, I'm certainly not taking credit for it, but I am like, imagine if she didn't do that. Oh, no, like, I have the story about, about Emily with that. So I was one of the people on the panel, like one of the publishers yeah. there. And when we went into the back room, we all talked about the what pitches won and stuff like that. And that. But immediately, every publisher there that was taking submissions started fighting about Emily. Like started being like, no, no, mine. No, no, my, no, I like, I think I'm good for my imprint. No, I think it's good here. Started, and, and I did something that I probably shouldn't have. 
but like everything was going and I got went in behind to her. Like I took her aside after she won. I was like, Hey, congratulations. Also come over here. Um, we're in that back room. Everyone was fighting over you. Everyone thinks you're going to be the next big Newfoundland writer. Don't let them get you cheap. I'm going to lose. I, I, I did this horrible thing where it's like, I know my public, my publishing company is small enough that I'm not going to win this fight. So just promise me this, don't let them get you cheap. And she was like, what do you mean they're all fighting? Like, everyone thinks you're it. And they, she just That's started awesome. to, she started to cry openly. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing about her too is she's like such a lovely human being that it's just like absolutely, like watching her success and watching that book sell. Like every time I'm in Coles, I'm like, oh, yeah. there's a huge display. This is awesome. Yeah. Like, it's just, just a, it's a lovely story, you know? I know, I know. And one of these days when my books continue not to do that great, uh, I'm going to be telling people about how I was there. And uh, and they're like, sure, Grandpa. You know what I mean? Yeah. I sometimes feel like, you know, when I tell my Emily Hepdige story, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, Emily's going to be like um, like a Paula Hawkins, like yeah. Nora Roberts, prolific yeah. writer. And I'm going to be like, I met her once. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. In her story, I'm already that person, you know? So, oh, yeah. but I, I just I think- can't. Andy Bullman. Oh, and and also in that pitch, the publisher Jim um, Jim Case got Ananias out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like, don't think his was publisher of- was there. Yeah, yeah. Jim Case was there, but his publisher wasn't there. He, he got no. Yeah, he published with Nevermore in Nova Scotia, but that's yeah. a lot of books to come out of one. Do you know and what I mean? Phil Riggs, like I th- like he was he's the one who did the children's book, and he later got a different a related children's book. Like it didn't end up being the same. Picked up by Boulder with uh, with uh, illustration. By someone else, yeah. If, I, I think, didn't know that. That's amazing. I think, and Susan Flanagan uh, was oh, there. Yeah. She's got the Supermarket Baby. That's what she pitched. But she's also got uh, the Tales of Barry Lick. I think at this point, and Jen Coish has signed with Engine, and we're just waiting for her to finish the book. But I think at this, I don't know how many people were there. I I think every book from that first pitch, the publisher is getting published. I love that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a uh, cool thing. Yeah, big time, big time. Um, Andy Bowman, do you believe in writer's block? You are someone who writes for CBC and different stuff, and there's a lot of different deadlines. Do you believe in the concept of writer's block? Yeah, I do. I, I definitely, in the fall, um, when I was getting separated, had writer's block. Had the, a lot of moments where I was like, oh, who am I to be putting stuff out in the world? Like, and I think that, like, like what writer's block really is is self-doubt um and so like i i i really believe it um that it exists i also think that like the best thing you can do if you're experiencing writer's block um if it's like something that's just happening one day is to take a walk like get outside and go for a walk for an hour like i find that to be immensely helpful um i also think like reading is going to help you come overcome writer's block like if you immerse yourself in stories it's going to like sort of re-inspire you I also think like if if it's something that's happening for a month or so for me taking a break and um not putting too much pressure on myself and working in another industry helped so much so I I feel like I feel like it's a real thing and what it really is is self-doubt I don't think it's like this weird mystical block that comes and goes I think it's you doubting yourself Um, and I think that's like a normal part of the creative process. And like the worst thing you can do is like really beat yourself up about it. Just accept that it's happening and sort of get some exercise, get some fresh air and do other things for a minute. And I think it'll go away. Um, yeah, I believe in it. Yeah, for sure. 
Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, Andy Bowman, does the act of writing energize you or does it exhaust you? Like when you are done at the, your creative process at the end of the morning, like you said, you get up early like me, are you mm-hmm. full and you'd be like, yeah, let's get the day started. Or are you drained? Um, I am usually if I can get two or three hours of like solid writing done, um, I usually feel energized and I feel very relieved that I checked it off my today. I sat down and I did my words. I got my, I feel very relieved. Um, I usually feel energized if I get it done in the morning, I feel energized. And if I'm at night slogging away, trying to get a story for deadline the next day, I usually feel drained then. Um, I, I really, um, I really hate when I'm pushing a story together. I very much like it when I can see the flow and get into a state of flow. Um, for me, it's all about what time of day I'm writing. If I do it in the day, I feel energized. If I end up writing at night, I kind of beat myself up and I find it really hard. Yeah. Gotcha. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, um, this is an interesting one given your, your project, the Dead Wives Club, coming up. Uh, it's something that we, someone that we don't usually get to ask in this, but uh, Andy Bowman, what's the hardest part for you, or what should people? What do you what are you cognizant of when you're writing characters from a different demographic? So whatever demo you identify as, and I'm not asking what it is, but like whatever okay. you internally identify as when you're mm-hmm. writing characters that are different from that, like say likely the men in in Dead Wives Club. Mm-hmm what's what's difficult for about you what's difficult for you in doing that um i always i i when i was writing dead wife club i'm writing from the perspective of um three men and a woman um who are experiencing grief um i think of my i was asking myself is this true and is it fair Mm -hmm. um so is it true and is it fair and am i doing enough um, so that, um, w- w- was the process of writing for those characters. Um, I think the hardest thing has been dialogue. Would this character say that, um, does this dialogue sound natural? Like a person, I'm very worried that some of my dialogue might sound like a play, uh, a little monologuing, a little over the top. So we're doing a table read soon with actors. I'm very excited to see if it flows or if it's like, okay, you wrote monologues, that's not good. Do you need to change something? So um, I guess the hardest part um, has been like being fair to people who are grieving um, and trying to put myself in those shoes. And what has helped with that has been Shara's input um, and and Ashley's input because the director and producer have both been reading those notes. Um, In the picture start process too, your screen uh, play goes to um, a woman in um, Toronto who teaches up there. She's very lovely. Her name is Maureen. Um, she was a writer on Random Passage and a bunch of other things and works wow. as a professor. So she reads those notes, um, reads your script, and then gives you notes. Um, and that has been very, like, what a valuable experience. Like, Picture Star is all about mentorships. Like, Cheryl will have a director mentor. Ashley has a producer mentor. There's tons of workshops. So for screenplay writing, getting her notes has been really helpful. Um, For me, um, her biggest note to me has been the screenplay veers into sketch sometimes. 
um, because I do sketch comedy with a group of girls and I like sketch comedy and it is a comedy. So it veers towards a caricature at points. So here are the moments where it does that. Let's think about moving these lines or changing these lines. That's been extremely valuable um, to me to have that feedback from a professional in the industry. Um, And then, of course, you're fighting against your ego. You know, you're fighting against your brain is like, I don't want to make changes. You have to sort of step back and go, this person knows better than you. Let that go. (laughs) And, And so I find myself doing that over and over again. Like the first instinct in my brain is like, I'm not changing the script. And I, and I let that, I let myself experience that for a minute and then I, um, move on the demographic, um, in the play or in the movie. See, I, I'm thinking of it as a play and that's bad, but the demographic in the film, um, the, I think I, I do really want men to watch it and, and feel impacted by it. Yeah. Um, it's challenging to write for another gender. Um, you know, and, and when I think about my favorite writers, um, I often feel like male who men who write in a female voice, I often feel like they don't get it. Like, I feel like it's sometimes unbelievable to me. Um, And I, I, so, but one writer who really gets to write is Nick Hornby. Um, Nick Hornby has written in a female voice a few times and both times I've been like, Oh my God, like he has really captured um, the experience and thought processes that I go through as a woman so it's it's interesting to me, the idea of writing in different genders, the idea of writing for people of different cultural backgrounds or socioeconomic backgrounds. And it's really challenging. And I think the best thing you can do is like involve other people in the process to hear their thoughts. Um, and I'm really excited for the table read because the actors are going to be people from a variety of backgrounds and they're going to be able to tell me if I hit or missed it. The worst thing you do, I don't want to put something out in the world that I, where I missed, you know, so I'm I'm excited for that process. Also, quick note, Wright Project fans, while I have you, my latest book, As Loved Our Fathers, is on store shelves now. If you're listening to this online, you can see a link to it down in the description. I would really appreciate it if you can check it out. It's a hunt for the Holy Grail set in Newfoundland and really examines Newfoundland history. It's my most personal novel to date and brings in a lot of my thoughts on Newfoundland and Newfoundland culture that we've touched on on this show, but I've never really gotten into in my writing. So I'm really interested to see what people think of it. Please give it a check out if you have the ability. For sure. I, I, I remember I was talking to, and obviously I, I'm very cognizant when I write from, or I try to be, like it's it's writing from a different demographic for me, especially like uh, writing women is one of the things that I'm the most nervous about, particularly because in the writers group I'm in, there's this uh, thread that we all pull from. There's a, a thread online called Men Writing Women, where people do it badly. And if you want a good chuckle sometime, check it out. But like we, we were always posting stuff in, and I'm like, oh, my God, how bad that they got this and what the heck and all this other stuff. And I'm just always like, I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, but I was talking to an author friend of mine once about about, like you said, the opposite about about men being written by people from a different demographic and, and mm. sometimes getting it wrong. And something she said just really, really irked me. And I was like, oh, don't please never do this kind of thing. But she was like um well it's easy to write from a male perspective because i just think of my life and remove any obstacles 
and then that's what it's like to be a man. And I'm like, no, there's still <laughs> there's still problems, especially if you're not a a, a d bag. You know what I mean? Like like yeah, the I mean, major one. Yeah, I mean, there's no human experience that's not like extremely nuanced. You know, yeah. so I like that's a really reductive thing for her to have said. I'm hoping that like she just whoops <laughs> should have yeah. said that kind of like response afterwards yeah. um she's one of my yeah, best like, friends so yeah 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 so yeah yeah i i hope she came around <laughs> so, but um yeah like i think writing in um i don't know i mean i'm such a new writer i'm still really learning um i'm sure that there are that will be mistakes in this oh, of course um and um, and I feel really lucky to have not also tried to direct it. Like Cher is the perfect person to direct this film. And I'm really grateful for her opinions. Um, you know, I, I th- yeah, I, I think like putting together a really great team of people around you that can give you impactful, um, you know, I interviewed um, Willow Keen. She wrote Supper Club, which was a play at the LSPU Hall. So I interviewed her for The Independent. And uh, one of her characters on on the Cuban woman, and uh, I remember when I interviewed her, I was like, "Was it difficult to write like a Cuban background?" And she was like, "Well, you know, I I naturally reached out to um, I I got someone, I put someone on the payroll because you have to pay people for their time." Yeah. So she was like, "You know, I found some money for a script supervisor, a woman from Cuba, to like make sure I was getting that." I think that's like really important. No stories about us without us, you know, like if you're writing in another character's voice, then like, okay, let's like, let's bring someone in that you can talk to. Like, don't, we can't totally imagine. I think that we have to actually involve people with that real life experience. If we're going to write about it. So I think like no stories about us without us is like the, the rule for me. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Big time. That yeah. is, a, a, that's a wonderful rule to have. Yeah, for sure. Um, Andy Bowman, what does success in this industry look like for you? What does literary success look like? And just so we're on the same page with this, it's my experience that every writer, no writer is happy. Like every writer has a goal in mind. And if they reach that goal, the instant they get it, they jump the goal to something else. You know what I mean? And now I want this. So, but for now, what's your goal? (laughs) That's called the hedonistic treadmill um it's it's like a it's like a psychological term where uh and humans want something they get it they move the goalpost um so and that it's like it's the idea that we can like never totally be happy that like we're just a species that's meant to strive for the next thing um and so there's like a lot of like ways to try to combat that but it is it's such an interesting concept to me because i'm like okay what what is what does success like i would just be really happy to be a working author um i would love if um like right now i have to struggle to stay on top of my bills they have to write two to three articles a week i have to take uh, maybe a radio gig i have to do this i have to do that there's like a lot of struggle involved to staying on top of my bills and my student loans um and um, that means like probably a, for me, a six day work week or always thinking about work. Um, I would love to have some more security financially. Um, I would love to, if like a week could go by and I could just focus on a book instead of having to um, pitch a few articles. I'm really grateful that I have these freelance relationships and I can make money as a writer and I get to work from home. Like I'm extremely grateful because I used to have to work six days a week as a caterer. 
which I was run off my feet. It was really exhausting. So I'm very grateful that I was able to make this shift. A little more financial security would be amazing. (laughs) Um, And so being a working author where every two or three years I have um, a new piece of work coming out or I have a, a film coming out or I'm involved, I'm, that would be amazing to me. Um, a personal goal of mine is to write for television. Um, I would really like to work on a TV show in a, as a writer. Um, you know, last year I was asked if I would audition for this hour's 22 minutes. Um, and they asked me to audition for a uh, news desk. And so I sent in my tape and I kind of knew nothing was going to come of it. I, 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 they asked me cause I'm, I'm part of a sketch group, um, that is growing um, and doing well. And we got our television show tales from the floor drove with my sketch group. So I think that's why all four members of us were asked to send in a tape. I didn't hear anything back. Um, I would love to be asked to write for this hour's 22 minutes. That would be like a personal career goal to be in the writer's room, happily moved to Halifax for it. I really yeah. would love to write for this hour's 22 minutes. I love political satire. Um, writing for TV is a dream for sure. Um, writing a book every two or three years, um, having that kind of career, that would be amazing to me. Um, I would love to just have like a little less hustle and a little bit more focus on long-term projects that would be really freeing. Um, so to fight the hedonistic treadmill, I am trying to keep my goals reasonable. Yeah. Uh, I would love to be 65 and have 10 books. That would be thrilling. I, and I would try to consider like a small manageable goal, I think, but still, you know, um, manageable. Yeah. And as a journalist or as a person who's doing freelance journalism right now, um, I, I have had a few moments in my journalism career where a name was spelled wrong, where I got someone's name wrong, or um, I, I screwed up in like a scientific term or something like that. That has happened a couple of times, but I have never screwed up on the level where um, I lost access to community. People still want to talk to me and are excited to be interviewed. I would like that to continue. <laughs> I would like to have no major screw ups as a journalist. I live in sort of this fear of like, what if I get someone's story wrong or I miss a major part of the story or a chunk, or I no longer have access to like this community of people because I've told their story and I, and I screwed it up. So I would love at my journalism. I would love to continue to try and um, like have people's trust. That that is my journalistic goal, um, and my career goal is like I like to write for television. I'd like to have books coming out, and I would like to have less stress about money. <laughs> um, it's always a like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need to win an award, uh, right? Unless now. that award, I, unless that award comes with money, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be amazing. But I mean, that's why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. Um, goals like that for me because I feel like this hedonistic treadmill that I mentioned I feel like I have a lot of struggles with that I don't love the idea that our species is defined by always striving I would like that not to be the case I would like to find some like internal sort of like this measured life I feel like that would be more sustainable Mm. so yeah that's something that I think about a lot like cut it might you know, I used to always want to have a book out. And then when I had a book out, I'm like, I need to have another book out by next year. Like, and I'm like, okay, you're getting caught up in the, you got to just do the one thing and try to enjoy it. And, but it's very hard. I do think striving is probably a huge part of being a human. Yeah. 
That's interesting. I gotta look that up because I've never I've never heard that term before. The hedonistic treadmill. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I, I'm terrified because it's it is a pretty large part of how I define myself. Like like people people who know me, like my authors or whatever, friends and stuff like that. They say, do you ever step back and look at like how much you've grown in the last five years? And I'm like, no, that would require stopping. Like one of these yeah. days I'll get ill and I'll be forced to step back and take a look. But until then, I have no idea because it's like it's like getting in a car and going on a street a set of road. Like while you're driving, you can't stop and look back and see how far you dri- drove. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But it would probably be healthy to do so. <sighs> Andy Bowman, what is your favorite comic book character, if you have one? Mm-hmm. Um, I really love um, the graphic novel series, Why the Last Man? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I really think that the, the main character, Yorick, is my favorite comic book character. Um, for, for people who haven't read Why the Last Man, it's um, there's a deadly virus. The men all die except for one man and his pet monkey. Um, there's gangs of roving females and, and things like the Washington monument that looks like a dick, um, become like places where women gather to mourn the lost men. And, um, it's just a really interesting graphic novel. And, um, the character of Yorick, I think is really, um, relatable because, um, even when there were tons of other men, I think he felt very alone. And I think that the, the way that he experiences loneliness, you, you can relate to. So I, I, I love that comic book and I, I hope when an adaptation happens that it's good. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, that's yeah. what I'm very nervous about. It's almost the yeah. anti fight club. I like I like looking at those two things side by side. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Thank you, Andy Bowman or Amanda Dorothy Jean Bowman, as you are called, for writing the book Salt Beef Buckets and for all your other work uh, with CBC and Saltwire and and everywhere else that you're found. Thank you for coming on the Right Project podcast. And everyone, please check out Salt Beef Buckets and the rest of uh, Andy's work there. She's a wonderful author in this province. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Right Project podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're interested in any of the books that we've featured here today, there are links in the description for you to purchase those books on Amazon. And when you use those links, Amazon kicks a tiny portion of it back to the channel, which is lovely. It helps everybody. It helps the author with the sale, helps the channel, and it helps you find new wonderful books. Either way, thank you so much for listening. It's really appreciated. We'll be here every Monday at 4 p.m. on CHMR and chmr.ca, as well as every Wednesday in 2023 at 2 p.m. with a special episode highlighting Breakwater Books and their 50 years of success in Newfoundland publishing. Be sure to check both out. Please tune in and we'll talk more about writing culture and writing culture in Newfoundland.